remember pulling me back and just felt loads of wax and punches and you know do you know that do you know like when you watch two kids in the playground fight, they're just windmilling and just like, yeah. they just haven't got no control. That's what I was like, bro. I was just, I was just throwing my arms left, right and centre. Didn't know what was going on. I just run then and I went and hid in, um, in an alleyway. And I hid in this alleyway for about two hours and you know, it was pissing down with rain and I walked then back home and as I looked down, it was just blood everywhere. Welcome to the show, Nathan. Nice one, brother. Cheers for the invite, man. So, um, now what's your sober date? Sober date is uh, December the 24th, 2020. Okay, yeah, you're the one I saw that was Christmas Eve recently when I was, you know, because I, I see a lot of sober dates, you know what I mean? People, you know, either reaching out to somebody or whatever. So, but yeah, I knew I saw a Christmas Eve in there. So what was going on for you Christmas Eve? You know, last year. Well, mate, I was um, I just come out of detox on Christmas Eve last year. Um, I was quite I was quite blessed to get the detox. To be honest, I was um, I went into hospital on the twelfth of December. I had um, I had a severe back problem, um, and I was like twenty percent away from being disabled. I was yeah, I was right off, man. I had a big car crash just before there. Um, and I went into hospital because I couldn't feel my legs. So they, they put me down for an emergency um, back operation, but they couldn't they couldn't take me straight away because I was so intoxicated. Um, they had to sober me up for 24, uh, 24 hours. Um, so they'd done the operation um, on the 13th, and they were going to discharge me the next day. Um, but I was fitting. I was withdrawing and shaking and fitting, and the doctor come round and the doctor asked me. She said, um, "Are you are you all right?" And I was just like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm all right." Um, and then she pulled the curtains around the hospital bed, and she looked at me. She said, "You're not all right, are you?" And, and I just broke down in tears, man. And I told I told her my intake with alcohol and drugs, and and she said, "Look," she said, "You ain't going anywhere." You know, we're going to put you onto a detox. She gave me the option. She said, Yo, you, you, you can go if you want, but a detox is there for you. And and you know what, right? It was it was, it was a blessing. I, I, I can't that it's a blessing in disguise, you know, because there was a backlog of detoxes in the area I was from. There was like a 14-month waiting list to get onto a detox. Um, you know, and I got offered one. So, you know, going into hospital for the back operation was a kind of, you know, a blessing in disguise, you know. Yeah, so you got you got into an accident, you know, last December, and then when you had to go into the hospital for the accident, you know, because your back was all messed up, is when you know you were like, well, I might as well stay in detox from alcohol. Well, that's that, that, that and that's what it was. So yeah, so they gave me the offer me the detox, which I went in on the fourteenth. Um, you know, I done a ten day detox, and they they gave me the option to stay in for Christmas. Um, but whilst I was in detox, I got. I was speaking to my baby mother again, and uh, you know she said, "Look, you know you can come and spend Christmas here if you want," um, which was nice. It was really nice, you know. I come out of detox on Christmas Eve, and it was painful, man, because I didn't really connect with anybody whilst I was in. De- the only people that I connected with is is um, the Twelve Step Fellowship. A, a couple of people reached out to me, and I had a laptop in in, Chris- in, in hospital as well, and so I started doing online Zoom meetings and. 
And yeah, those, so, are, yeah. those are good. Yeah, that you know, because they weren't always around for that to be able to do that. So it was good that you were able just to hop on a Zoom meeting is, you know, because like it's one thing to be detoxing, you know, a couple hours into tremor, you know what I mean, to detox and alcohol and sitting in a meeting, you know, getting your ass up and getting to a meeting and sitting there. It's That's one thing. But you can lay in bed and be miserable yeah. and attend a <laughs> meeting on Zoom. You know, yeah, you don't even have to it. turn the camera on. You can just attend meetings all day long and just be, you know, if if I if I relapsed and had to do it all over again, that's how I would do it all day, just meetings, you know, well, and just you know on what? Zoom. Yeah, man. Man, honestly, like I, I, I've known so many people who got recovered or who are recovering because of Zoom, Zoom meetings. And it was funny as well because on, on my, my year of sobriety on Christmas Eve, we'd done a meeting and um, a friend of mine handed me, because uh, I'm was i secretary of the meeting, and we had a top, we had a guy sharing, and we'd done the clean time countdown, and I got to a year and he presented me my, my year tag. And he said, bro, this is mad. He said, I've seen you in that hospital bed with, with wires hanging out of you, like nine stone, could barely speak. And he's like giving me my year tag like 365 days later. Yeah, that's amazing. So, you know, you were you were detoxing alcohol. Were you detoxing like drugs too? Yeah, well, yeah, I was. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, were, was, like, yeah, were you were, were you kicking like were you kicking from was it unpleasant alcohol withdrawals or unpleasant from drug withdrawals or both? It was both, bro. It was it was both, man, because. Um, you know, I, I was a, I was a cracker as well. You know, I was I was a like a real like cocaine abuser. You know, turned to crack, mm-hmm. um, and, and the alcohol. And you know what it's like, bro. I'm not sure what uh, what what job. I, I I know you talk about alcohol quite a lot because I've heard you a few times. Yeah. Well, you know what it's like, mate. When you when you're off your tits, like three days into a bend and you can't sleep, man. So you're just swallowing tablets. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. I know exactly what you mean. When did you start drinking at an early age, or was it like later on in life did you discover I've, alcohol? I've always been a drinker, man. Always, because oh, um, yeah, because yeah, you're in London. So where you are? No, are you in London or you're in the UK or where are you at? I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm in England. I, I'm originally from uh, Wales. Because I don't know if you know this, but you have an accent, you know. So people that have been listening <laughs> for a few minutes are like, "This guy's got an accent," you know. He's yeah. not from America. <laughs> Okay, so you're from Wales. Okay, um, now where's now where's that at? That's in the UK. It's in the UK. Yeah, it's in the UK. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah, a, a place a place called Cardiff, which is the um, which is the capital city of Wales. Okay. Um, but yeah, mate, I I I start I started drinking at a young age. Like it was funny because I shared about this all the time. You know, I had an operation on my tenth birthday. Um, I think I'm, I used to be cross. I'm, I'm blind in my right eye. And I okay. used to be cross-eyed, so I had this operation to try and balance my eyes out and stuff. And and I remember after after coming around from the operation, I said it to my mother, I, I said to her, I you said, in the head with the mule. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I said to my mother, I said whatever whatever they put that into my arm, the injection, the the the, the sleeping whatever it's called, you know, whatever they done there was, I said the feeling was lovely. Yeah, and, you know that's. Yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah. And then I can remember when I was about 12 years old then, I nicked, I nicked a can of beer at the house party, my mother's house party, and I drank this beer. And it reminded me of that, that operation on my 10th birthday, and I was like, wow, I found that feeling. 
I see. Okay, so you're like, I found something that mirrors that warmth. Because that's what yeah, it was. Yeah. You know, it was, you know, whenever you're going under for an operation, it's that warmth. You know, yeah. and then it's that that first drink that you get. It's that warmth that you give your body. We're like, this is something different, you know, but it's relatable in that sense. So I can totally see you going, oh, that's it. That's where this is what I can do now. That's how I can catch I that. Found it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and and was it as acceptable? You know, like I've had somebody from you know London's area, you know, Abby on the show, and she was telling me yeah, how listen to that. She was telling me how acceptable it was, you know, to just be able to drink in the bars or drink whenever when you're like 12, 13, 14 years old. Is that the same in your area yeah, as well? It's, yeah. Well, mate, I, I listened to Abby's um, podcast with you and, you know, what she said was true, bro. You know, like it is, I'll call it boozy Britain. You know, like people just love to drink, you know, it's, it's like celebrations all the time. You know, they'll celebrate anything. And you know, house parties and you know, family parties. Uh, okay. Just giving your little kid half a glass of half a can of shandy or whatever it is, and yeah. So I and you know, I've, I've related to Abby's story so much, man, because um, you know, I'm I'm a DJ as well. I've, I was going to say, were you DJ. a groupie? <laughs> <laughs> People were grouping onto me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. That's oh yeah. You're you're um. That's right. So your Instagram says something about music, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so what boards. do you do with music? I was a DJ, man. I um I started, you know, I've always had a passion for music. Um, you know, I got kicked out of school at a young age, um, and no other school would take me on. So I ended up going on to this this company called Intech Studios, which is a music production company. And um, you know, so instead of going to school, I went to this to, to this studio, and I started learning how to DJ and. And brother, I just said, you know, when people got natural talents, I, I had a natural talent for for DJing. And um, you know, at a young age, man, I was I was getting gigs in nightclubs at the age of fifteen. Um, you know, because I was so young, I wasn't getting paid wages. I was getting paid in like free beer. You know what I mean? So yeah, they're they're like, we can just pay this kid anything. He's gonna just be happy to be yeah, here. Absolutely, man. Give me eight yeah. bucks of Budweiser, and I'm laughing. Yeah. <laughs> You're not some guy in their 20s trying to, like, you know, pay for a house or pay for an apartment. You're just some kid just like, you know, you can pay me in beer. It's fine. So, yeah. I earned my wages for drinking, oh, trust me. I, I can see. Okay, so, yeah, you're now you're a teenager, and now you're you're finding yourself in music, which you can easily get lost in. You know, how old are you right now? How old are you? Uh, uh, 39 now. 39. Okay, yeah. So this is the early 2000s, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. You can easily get swept up into that scene uh, because it was like an up and coming scene, too. Like, it wasn't like EDM wasn't even a thing back then, you know. Like, so I'm not sure what you, what kind, what kind of DJ were you, was that what I'm, is that, am I circling it? Is that what you were doing, that kind of music? Yeah, I was, I was doing um, Garage. I'm not sure, UK Garage. It's like two two step beats. Um, okay. You know, one, two, six BPM, man. Yeah. And um, went from garage to grime, grime music, yeah, which is like the the UK's version of the American hip hop. Okay. Um, yeah. So I went and and it's, it's a good urban music, man. And I've, I've become pretty successful at it. Um, and you know, I start I started traveling. You know, I started traveling around the UK. You know, DJing abroad, doing all the party islands. 
Um, so when did you get kicked out of school then? How old were you? Must have been about 13, 14. What were you doing at 13 for them to be like, all right, man, we, we had enough of you? Uh, like, I was trying to stab my teacher. Oh, wait, you can't, <laughs> you can't do that in England either. <laughs> no, I can't do that anyway. <laughs> no, I didn't. So, wait, um, so wait, yeah, yeah, was, okay. Can you tell me what happened? Well, man, it was, it was. I was, I was the loudmouth of the school, anyway. You know, I was, I was the little, uh, you know, the lovable rogue in school and stuff. And my father, my father was, um, he hurt his back. My father hurt his back, and he was, he was in a wheelchair for a very long time. And I was walking past, and the teacher said, "That's your class." And I said, "No, I'm not going to my class." And he said, oh, "I'll tell your father." And he goes, "Oh, well, I can't do that, can I? Because he can't walk and come down here." And I just flipped, and I had a scalping knife because I was just in a science class, and I nicked this scalping knife, and I tried, tried slashing him with it. Yeah. And um, I, I didn't, I didn't do it, but yeah, you know, I didn't, didn't get you to pre- it. But, um, you presented the knife like you would, and then that's all they needed to do to be like, all right. That's enough. Yeah, you're done. you're done with school here. Done with school, and so yeah, they brought my mother to the school. It was fun as well because when when they kicked me out of school, when um they told me to leave the the premises, I started freaking out and I was jumping on top of the teachers' cars and and you know I got home and by the time I got home, my mother had the phone call and I'm like, Mum, the lion, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. So my mother, being my mother, bless her, she dragged me all the way down to the school, sat me down in the teachers' um head office. And the teacher at the time was like, he did do it. I'm like, Mom, I promise you I never. And she went, two seconds, miss. And said, I'll be back now. She comes back in with a video cassette, chucked it on. And all you can see is me jumping all over the cars. I was like, oh, so, so. I forgot I that CCTV, man. There's cameras everywhere. Everywhere, bro. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, okay. So, so, but you didn't have to go to another school, though? It was just like, all right, I'm going to do nah, my... I I try, I try I got I got, I got um, expelled and and we tried getting into another school, uh, but no no schools would take me on in Cardiff, so that's why um, you know and that's why I went to this music production company called Intech Studios because um, the guy that the guy that was running the organisation they used to work with a lot of schools and he heard about what happened. There's a guy called John Lenny, he's a beautiful man man he's a, such a good human being, that he heard about what happened. And it was like bring them to my bring them to my studios. So okay. I went to my studios. Yeah, so I went to my studios, and it was like you, you, you're not gonna try that shit here. I'm like, I promise, I promise, I'm a big black guy. And I was like, I promise, I promise. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, I don't need a knife even. I don't even need a knife for this job. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was um yeah. So he took me on in 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 his studio. Um, you know, I was there every day, bro. Every every day from like nine o'clock in the morning to like seven o'clock at night. I was there for about three years, I think. Was it? Now, yeah. So now, I mean, you're not even have to go to school. So you're a teenager and you're working music, and it's you know that kind of that kind of atmosphere. Are you drinking all day too? I didn't stop. Nah, it was it was only when I was DJing. I th- you know it was only when I was DJing, but it was binge drinking. You know, I used to go to a gig. Um. Obviously, I, I I don't think I ever DJed sober. You know, I, it was it was quite a common joke with like because my DJ name is Trooper, T R O O P A, and um, a lot of the bouncers and the promoters just laughed just to say, I don't know how Trooper can do this. You know, he he walks into the club sideways, does an hour, 
and walks <laughs> on backwards. <laughs> so yeah, I always used to like have the have the pre drinks and um just to find the after parties. I just you know it's funny because like you know back then we don't know about this disease of addiction, do we? We ain't got a clue. You know, but learning about this last year, it's just like you know, all all the little traits were there. You know. Oh yeah, I didn't know that. Like my drinking was a problem. You know what I mean? Like I knew that I had a problem with pills. You know, like that that was a little more obvious to me. But I think that because drinking is so socially acceptable, so socially promoted. You know what I mean? Either whether it's advertising, Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like it's everywhere. Is about drinking is okay. Um, so it's, it's a little harder to see how destructive your drinking is until you can get further away without the drink, right? Like it takes some separation from drinking. Like it's, I, I think it's, you can't, it's one of those things that unless like you've lost everything directly to alcohol and, but maybe like for me, I've lost a lot from pills, but not really from alcohol. But it took me getting away from alcohol with pills to be like, oh, okay, I see it. That's where I had a problem. That's where I drank alcoholically. That's when this was bad. This is, you know what I mean? Like, I can see that. Like, you know, it's even so fucked up that, like, even when I relapsed with drinking, I still worked the steps while drinking. You know, like, (laughs) you know, like. I didn't drink alcoholically in that nine months after I had a relapse because I was still doing daily 10 steps, man. You know, I was still, I was still checking myself to make sure that like, Oh, did you, how many drinks did you have today? Like, and checking myself to make sure I didn't like over drink because I was that already like indoctrinated with, you know, 12 steps and the program and, you know, how to drink, not alcoholically, not, not a sense I learned not how to because I still ended up drinking alcoholically. Spoiler alert, it didn't work. Yeah. Yeah, eventually, yeah, I had I, I drank too much and I was like, I gotta be done with this. You know, did you, did you have a sponsor as well when you was going through the steps? No, not not that time, not that time, not when I was drinking. <laughs> no sponsor was signed was gonna, yeah. <laughs> No, I meant like I was still working the steps, right? As in, like, okay, so some of the steps, if I called a resentment. Right. Even even when I was drinking, if I caught a resentment, I would still find my part in it. I maybe not write it down a full resentment, but I would sit there, consciously sit there and think and find my part in it. And then I would call anybody that I trusted. It it wasn't a sponsor, but just somebody that I trusted to talk to to have a conversation. Right. Like, hey, what's going on? How are you? Blah, Blah, blah. Oh, yeah, this is on my mind. Blah, 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 blah. And basically do a fit step with that person. Wow, man. Yeah. You know, and then still working my working through my amends for my original list, you know, the ones that I was willing to make. I was still doing daily ten steps, you know. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, I was still doing prayer and meditation. I was still carrying the message as in if like somebody I saw was an addiction, they're like, Hey, where should I get sober? I'm helping them getting sober. You know, yeah. so, you know, I was still carrying them. So, yeah, I was doing the steps. That's what I'm saying. So I didn't have to work with a sponsor to do those, even when I had a relapse. I think people have problems when they relapse because we get so caught up on the days, right? 
we get so caught up on counting the days and then we have a yeah. relapse we have a relapse and we're like oh shit i gotta get back to one day again oh shit well i'm at zero so i might as well go really hard before i get back that one <laughs> yeah. day yeah i hear that all the time just being like oh shit i relapsed okay let me see how i can live my life now with a relapse in there let me see if i can just do this normally let me yeah. see if I can just buy a six pack and split it with a friend. That kind of, sh- you know what I mean? Like, and yeah, then, and then don't, don't take it to the extreme, but we're all addicts, bro. And we don't yeah, know how to not bro. take it to the extreme. And that's the problem. And that's why so I with the idea, die all the time on relapses. It's, you know. Do you know what, what's, what's your take? Do you know, like, I hear that all the time. You know, relapses are part of your recovery. What, 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 what do you make of that? I think that's where you learn. I think that's like, you know, I tell my kid all the time, you have to, you have to lose, right? You know, he'll play video games and he'll freak the fuck out when he's losing. And I'm like, bro, and I'm like, bro, you have to lose, man. Like you have to learn in order to succeed. You have to learn all the ways to, to not, you know what I mean? To fail. You have to fail over and over again. Like even they say like Bill Gates, you know, failed multiple times making the first windows and the first computers and all that shit. It wasn't done the first time. You have to fail. And once you fail, you're like, okay, well, I know I can't do that because we all will question ourselves at one point because we are alcoholics. We are addicts and we do we overthink things. We overanalyze things. So yeah. all all of a sudden we get ourselves in a situation where we're not talking out loud, we're stuck in our heads, and when we're stuck in our heads, it's the most dangerous place to be. As soon as I say some shit to a sponsor, or and my wife or anybody, it's no longer in my head and it's, it has no control over me. But yeah, the relapse yeah. the relapses happen because we're not saying it out loud, we're not talking to somebody about it, and then well, all, it has yeah. all the power up here. Because that's because you know I I try I tried doing the twelve steps years ago in, in two thousand and eleven, but I I never done them like like was supposed to. I done it half-heartedly, you know. I so I, my body my body surrendered, but like my ego never. I was still always flirting with the idea, but like now for me I think I think the relapse is not. It might be some you know part of some people's uh, you know journey or whatever or part of their recovery, but I just believe it's a lack of recovery. You know what I mean? When, you know, I said it the other day. I said, you know, I don't believe that, you know, relapses is part of people's recovery. I just think it's a lack of recovery. And you just kind of said it yourself just then. And it is a lack because when I when I did relapse, it was because I stopped doing the work. I wasn't Absolutely. go. I wasn't going to meetings. I wasn't talking to my sponsor, you know, and that's why the relapse happened is all the classic things that you hear like. Hey, why'd you realize after six years? <laughs> oh, well, I stopped going to meetings. I stopped talking to my sponsor. I stopped having to connect yeah. to my higher power. Next thing you know, I'm drinking. Next thing you know, I'm getting high. Boom. It's, yeah. it's it classic, you know, tells all the time, as they always and we say. we can't see it coming, can we? Yeah, no, it just, it hits you like a shit ton of bricks out of nowhere. And then you're blindsided and it's too late. You're already done it. You know, you're already way over your head. So, and, and but that's. that's and it's that step one as well, and then we're we're like we've, we've relapsed now. We're back to uh, back to zero. Our bugger and Mars will go all out now. Yeah, they could, but then where you could be like me, and you could say, you know, fuck it, let's see where this takes me. You know, I don't have to be another another statistic of that person who relapsed and yeah. died on a relapse. 
you know, the, the drugs aren't what they used to be three, four years ago. And I start, you know, yeah, my, my sober date is coming up on two years, but I haven't touched a pill in almost four, man. And I'm scared the fucking death of the pills out there today because it was right around that time that 30s, my favorite pill, all of a sudden were being shoved with fentanyl and pressed with fentanyl. So I don't know what I'd be buying these days, man. You know, and unfortunately, there's a bunch of fucking trolls out there that they'll follow my page. They'll see that, oh, he's in recovery. So I'm going to follow him from my page. And what do they do? They follow me from their page. I see, okay, who's this person? Follow me. And all their pictures are selling pills. No. Swear to God. All the time. Oh, it just happened yesterday. No, that's dark, isn't it? It's, it's, you know, it makes me sick to my stomach to even think, like, are they really trying to bait me? Like, bro, yeah. like, I wouldn't even buy your pills when I was in addiction online. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Like, like, even when I was in addiction online, I wasn't buying pills online. Fuck out of here. So, you know, you can, you can add me all you want. Just helps my numbers, maybe. I don't know. Maybe hit like on some of my content. Give me, help me out a little bit. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Well, if you're going to, you know, sit there and troll me. But, yeah, I'm not going to fall for it because I, I wouldn't even buy your pills even when I was in addiction. Yeah. I would rather drive two, three hours to somebody I trusted over, over doing yeah, yeah. shit online and giving you some fuck out of here. Um, that's, 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 that's some deep shit, really, man. That's, that's bad that these trolls are doing that. You know, I, I come across that. I was on Twitter a couple of months ago, and, and, and it happened to a guy on Twitter. He was a raging, he was a raging cokehead, and people started tagging him, and he's like, got the best 10 out of 10 cocaine, and with like... Videos of the, the cocaine and stuff, and he was he was retweeting it like saying, "What the hell's going on there?" And I was yeah. just like, "Wow, man, that's that's deep." Yeah, but yeah, these these people these people just ain't got a clue about the addiction of it. Yeah, and so and the other thing is too, and and you mentioned, I'm gonna go back to the twelve steps, bounce back to that is the other reason it works is because you know it works if you work it. You know, you know, it's, <laughs> it's because you want it to work. You believe in what you're doing, right? And that's a huge factor in anything that you're doing. When you did the steps in 2011, 2012, like you said, you knew that you needed to do them, right? You're like, I know this is a formula for living a better life. I see the proofs and the point. Like all these people, they're happy, blah, blah, blah. I should do this. I need to do this. Yeah, yeah, I believe in higher power. Yeah, one, two, three, boom, got it. You want a list of resentment? Yep, here's two pages. There you go. And and you Have do it. it. And you do the work be, that you're supposed to. You get a C. You do enough to pass, you know, <laughs> you know, to get a passing grade. Um, but, it's, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Know, but it's not like, you know, to actually get it, to work it. Because when you do it, when you want it, when you actually want this to work, it works whether you're drinking or not. And I think that I was even proof of that for a while, you know, because I, when I went to rehab, it was to quit pills, not to quit drinking. And then I, I got into AA when I was out there and then I loved AA and then I went to another AA and I didn't like it. So it was like, all right, I'm going to stop going. Maybe I'm not an alcoholic. And I started lying to myself and all that shit. Um, yeah. But so I needed the I needed the relapse to almost reassure myself. Yeah, man, you're an alcoholic. You know, because I knew I was a drug addict, right? 
I knew yeah, that yeah. shit like a month into being a drug addict. You know, 10 years later, I'm in rehab. So, you know, so for me to be like, okay, no, I'm definitely an alcoholic. I, I needed that. So that's why I say about I needed to relapse and everybody is different. Yeah, yeah. No, I respect that, man. I really do. And, and you know, it is a blessing that you did have that relapse. You know, like, because that's, that, you know, what you just said to me there, you know, I'll, I, you know, I'll take that on board myself. You know, because this time around now, when I've done the steps this time around now, I, 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 I've done a vicious, like, step one. I, I went, you know, my sponsor, bless him, you know, he, he dug deep with me with it. And we've done, we've done these little um, exercises, of, you know, in the pursuit of getting alcohol and in the pursuit of getting cocaine and under the influence of alcohol, under the influence of cocaine. and The unmanageability. You focused on the unmanageability. Unmanageability, bro. That's my, favorite, that's my favorite part of this. Everyone, you know, I always get so like, you know, not butthurt, but I always get like, ah. Every time I hear someone always say that, like, you know, the first step's admitting it. It's, you know. Because to me, the most the most important thing about step one is it makes your life unmanageable. There's plenty Absolutely, of people that can yeah. out drink me, that can drink way more than I can and have. However, it doesn't make their life unmanageable, and it made mine unmanageable. So that's why it's so important to me is that word. And then once you find out, like. You go through when you did you have to do a whole list? That's what a good sponsor will do. It's like, do you have a good did you Bro, do a whole list? Yeah, yeah, my sponsor, yeah, I've still got the list now and I, I check in on it time to time. And and, and it's and it's mad as well because I'll, I'll be like, I'll, I'll be sat there chilling, doing, doing, reading a book or something, and uh, another unmanageable time will pop up in my head and I'm like, oh, so I'll write it back down on the sheet and call my sponsor, you know, and it's, yeah, because. Yeah, unmanageable, mate. It grips you, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. You could probably do. I know I probably could myself do a whole podcast episode on just all my unmanageability that it caused my life. Yeah, be a good podcast, man. Yeah, you know, just just unmanageability, and that's all it is because it, it it was just madness, man. You're right, and that's why it's so important to me that you know you do that. I always think of um. You know what's what's Russell Brand's? Am I fucked? Russell Brand. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know recovery book. You know his first step is Am I fucked? And whenever I think of the unmanageability, is like uh, yeah, I'm fucked. You know. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, literally. I'm fucked. I, I had that somewhere. I know it's around my office somewhere. But it's it's the snowball. It's the it's the ripple effect that it has on on everything else, doesn't it? You know your loved ones and you know the people that cares about you. It's just. Yeah, it's just carnage, man. And you know, having to deal with all that unmanageability when you come into sobriety as well, man. You know, that can that can get because I can still be unmanageable now with just you know sober. You know, like yeah. and having to deal. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? But having 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 that, but having the steps and and a good sponsor to kind of this is one of you know it's one of our defects, isn't it? It's a major part of our defects. And having that sponsor, man, is who can relate to my unmanageability. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's been good, man, because you know if I was left alone on my own to, to myself in the twelve steps without a sponsor, without fellowship, without meetings, man, I'd, I'd be living like a dry drunk. <laughs> yeah. So what what was it in two thousand eleven when he did the steps that brought you in to try something different that time? 
because you were in you were in your late twenties then. So what was going on to where? And you said you had a kid. Is that when you had a kid? Yeah. Nah, nah. I, I it was. I had a well. It's funny, really. Um, I had a different sponsor back then, um, but my sponsor now, I was in rehab with him. <laughs> I was in rehab with him in 2011, um, and we we both used him rehab. We both used him rehab, and his, and I remember like we was in rehab slagging off the twelve steppers, and I didn't have a clue what the twelve steppers was because I'm just coming to recovery and, and we were just bouncing off each other, mm. um, and we both we both left rehab at, at around about the same time. Um, and now he's he's ten years sober, and I'm a year sober. He's he's we both come up with roughly the same time, and we both had the same sponsor back then. Um, but I was sponsored back then. He passed away. God, you know, God bless him. He passed away, and I I just went off and done my own thing, dis disengaged with the fellowship, and he carried on with it, bro, and. Mate, he's, he's doing. Mate, he's sponsoring about twenty people. He's he's got a full time job. He's got a beautiful missus, and he's he's just. Mate, he's, he's like he's only a small. He's, mate, he's a small little redheaded guy, you know, tiny little redheaded guy. And and do you know what? As well, right, all right. Like I'm I'm the master of manipulation. I used to be able to manipulate anybody, right? But the yeah, only person yeah. that I never manipulate was my sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I used to get nervous calling my sponsor. Yeah, he'll definitely call you on that shit. Um, oh, it's brilliant. And that's you know, it's 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 really a testament too to show like how much he grew from the program because you know the fact that he's doing such a thorough step one with you about unmanageability, or he did when it's you guys learned from the same sponsor, you know, you guys had the same sponsor, but. That also tells me that he never stopped working a program because if his sponsor eventually passed away, that means he got a new sponsor who then went through the steps with him and did the steps with different sponsors and learned different ways to do it and yeah. learn, you know, different ways to help different people that need different ways. So, you know, yeah. that just goes to show the testament of how much he works a program right there. Absolutely. His sponsor, my grand sponsor, is, is from America. Um and brother, he's, he's he's brilliant, man. You know, I've done a couple of workshops with him, and um, you know, he he did he, he the book really well, bro. Like he he brings the book to life, and you know, and I've I, you know I've got my sponsor and him as well, you know. So it's kind of like I'm in safe hands if I need some questions being answered. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's um, you know, and you're definitely doing the right thing too, because if any anyone that knows too, all you have to do is long. As long as you don't specify which fellowship, you're good, it, like tradition-wise. Yeah. And, you know, because I've talked to, you know, a sponsor about even doing the show, you know, and technically I, I have personally broken traditions a bunch of times, but it is what it is at this point for me because I have to basically talk to so many people and I can only do so much and I'm not a perfect person. But at least for the guests, I always try to be respectful, you know what I mean, and all yeah. of that. So, because I know it's not the easiest thing. So, you had some sober time in 2011. You went to rehab. Did you get out of there and start getting high right away? You or did you get some sober it, time? I, I went to two rehabs. I went to a rehab in 2010, um, but we lasted eight weeks. 
for no fault of my own, the guy the guy that run the rehab around that the, the big house, he kind of done it. He done a runner with all the money, um, so we had to shut the rehab down and. And bro, that was an experience to say the least, man. It was like it was a, it was a big, massive mansion house in the middle of nowhere. This episode is sponsored by MJ's Progress Not Perfection Meeting Center Association. We are in our meeting center where we do all these meetings for mental health and addiction. I can do this podcast anywhere. I can do this at home. I can do this in a closet. I can do this in a basement. It doesn't matter. All I need is somebody else to talk to about addiction and recovery. What I can't do from anywhere is help people with their addiction and their mental health problems. So if you can help out, you know, we do have a Venmo, we have a Cash App, we have a PayPal, we have an address you can send a check to. And, you know, all the money that gets donated goes towards rent, goes towards keeping the lights on, and goes towards keeping the internet on. So please, you know, if you can get five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, it doesn't matter. Anything you can is so appreciated. And if you are a local business, if you're a national business, whatever, and you want to be a part of what we're doing, you know, you can reach out to me and we can talk about how you can be a sponsor. But I'll let you get back to the episode. Um, and we had a tap on the door in the morning after support worker to say, look, we all got to leave because the insurance is not valid anymore. Because the guy that run the, the, the rehab, he's done a runner, he's nipped off the spin or whatever, he's gone. So, like, it was about 30 of us in that house and it's just gone... It was just gone carnage, bro. The medicine cabinets were getting booted off, cars were getting nicked. It was um, it was carnage, man. But yeah, I, I left it. I left it and went back to Cardiff. I relapsed straight away, uh, and it took me about two months, I think it was, to get into a new rehab, and um, which was in two thousand and two thousand and ten. Sorry, yeah, till two thousand and eleven. The nine months in the rehab, and that's the when you months. met. And that's when you met your sponsor. That's what I met my sponsor. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And now, but he has he has ten years now. How long did you end up putting together before you had a relapse? Not long, bro. Not, not long. long. I'd say about <laughs> nah. Yeah, not long at all. It was um, you know, because I you know in rehab it was it was a CBT rehab like you know the 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 the, the, the behavior therapy uh, therapy stuff. Okay. Yeah. So it it don't really teach you about the disease of addiction. You know, just trying to like controlling like did your behavior ways and, and stuff like that, which is brilliant, man. It works with people and you know, um so it didn't last long. So, you know, I'll come out and I met a couple of friends who was doing the fellowship and you know, I got involved in the fellowship and I was because at this by this time now I've moved city. I've moved away from like a four hour car journey away from home. Um so I was I was like in a new city on my own. I wanted some friends and I got these friends and which are still friends of mine to this day. Um, you know, so I was going to meetings and just 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 doing the deal, but without doing it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um you know, I had a back operation back then and when I was in recovery from my back operation, there was a hair salon at the end of my street. So I used to hobble down on my crutches and get my hair cut by this girl and I started seeing her, I started dating her. And then she got pregnant straight away and, you know, she had the baby. I moved in with her. And by this time, bro, man, that was it. I thought I made it. I thought that was it. I'm sorry. I'm cured. Um, once it wasn't engaging with the fellowship, wasn't engaging with my old friends and the peers or nothing. I was just 100% involved in my family. Um, that didn't last long. You know, I, we went on holiday, on an all-inclusive holiday. Um, my partner set up a beer 
you're gonna be all right. And I had that beer. <laughs> Game over. Game over, man. And you know, it was. Did your partner know I, about your history? She, yeah, she, she, she yeah, she, she does. She, no, no, she does now. But did she know then? She, yeah, but she, yeah, she did. She knew. She knew I was in rehab, and she, she knew I got up to some like quite dangerous things, and. You know, she, she knew, knew, was, she, uh, knew, she knew what you wanted her to know that wouldn't scare her off. <laughs> yeah, well, kind of <laughs> like, you know, she, she knew, yeah, she knew, you know, obviously, like, when we're together, we're in bed and we're having the pillow talks and I've, yeah. I've been stabbed. I've been stabbed twice. And, like, she's seen the stab marks on my belly okay. and my shoulder and she's asked okay. the questions and I've told yeah. her. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you couldn't just... I. <laughs> I always think the soccer hooligans. What, what was that movie? Um, Green Street hooligans. Green like, Street, yeah. Yeah, because there's a lot, you know, the the fights and the stabbing. You know what I mean? That's that's what I think of. For but, <laughs> yeah. what, what, where are you getting the fights from? Is that just from being like, you know, rambunctious kid? Yeah, it's just it's just you know, because I, I was always, um, you know, even though I had a good successful DJing career, um. You know, I always wanted to be like part of something. I've always wanted to be with that. You know, my, my ego always wanted to be like with the the tougher crowd, and I wanted to be try and be known as a a bit of a boy or whatever. I wasn't, man. I was, I'm, you know, I'm a lovable role. You know, I I I give cuddles and stuff like that. You know, <laughs> but I just wanted to be like this type of person, and it just comes with the territory. You know what I mean? You, you know, you're ripping off some drug dealers or whatever, and they stab it, get stabbed yeah. and. Get the debt written off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because getting stabbed in the stomach has got to be a scary one. It was, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like life threatening. It was, um, I remember it was, it was my, it was my sister's daughter's christening day, and I was going home. It was about three o'clock in the morning, and I was walking across the street and just off my face, you know, and just minding my own business. And I remember seeing a London cab taxi, which there was about five or six people in there. And they all just come running over. And I just like ran straight. I went to run straight away. And I remember pulling me back and just felt loads of wax and punches. And, you know, do you know, like, do you know like, when you watch two kids in the playground fight, they just windmilling and just like, yeah. they just haven't got no control. That's what I was like, bro. I just, I was just throwing my arms left, right, and center. Didn't know what was going on. I just run then. And I went and hid in, um, in an alleyway. And I hid in this alleyway for about two hours. And, and it was pissing down with rain. And, I walked them back home, and as I looked down, it was just blood everywhere. Um, so they were slashing me up, I think they was. And I went to hospital, I had a lot of stitches on my side there, stitches on my arm. My thumb was, like, kind of hanging off. Well, yeah. How, and how old were you? Oh, mate, I was, um, I think I must have been about 20, 23, 24. Okay, so you were in your, okay, I'm like, I was like, man, you were a kid? Like I'm just glad you weren't a kid when this should have. Like, oh no, I know, yeah. <laughs> like it's it's rough. So you know now you know when you go into you go into the back surgery that was from an accident that you had last December, right? Yeah. Was the accident because you were drinking? Yeah. Okay, what happened? It was um, you know, it was the end of my. The end of 2020, it was like looking back on it now, it was it was coming, it was like just the end of everything. Well, COVID, oh, COVID was going on. I mean, there were lockdowns oh, everywhere. Like, yeah, you know. it was, you know, it was my using. I was nine stone, you know. I was, 
what I don't pounds. know what that means to unfortunately, um, you know, we go by pounds. So pounds. What is, what um, is, let me just do a translation now. Oh yeah, I don't know what nine. Is that is that small? Very yeah, but I'm 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 nineteen stone now. Holy shit. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean that gives me a good idea right there. Nine to nineteen. Hundred Holy shit, bro. Yeah, I was thin, bro. I was thin. Like you can see my rib cages, or my eyes are all sucked in, my jawline. Yeah, I mean yeah, that's and that and that and that's from the cracker, the drinking, or both. Everything, everything wasn't sleeping, wasn't eating, just you know, I was probably eating like a pack of crisps every two days or whatever. That's like the size I think of of um I don't know if you've seen the fighter. Mark Wahlberg movie, The Fighter, was yes. a boxer. Yeah. Um, Christian All Bale. His brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dickie. Yeah. Dickie was, a, you know, he smoked crack. And yeah. but he was, he got down to that size, Christian Bale did, to yeah. play that part. He actually, I, I heard he actually smoked crack as well to get the feeling of. I can believe it. I, I, I can 100% believe in knowing that dude because he's fucking crazy, man. To lose yeah. weight, to play like in Memento when he's like he has you know insomnia, and to do that, um, even to do that one especially, the fighter was right around when he was doing Batman, right? So he had That's to, right, yeah. he had to he was Batman, and then he had to get down to the fighter, which was all he did was eat apples and drink black coffee. Apparently, oh, that, that that was his diet was you know coffee, black coffee though. And apples, because when you're eating apples, it it mind fucks you because you think you're eating a lot when you're not, right? Because you're chewing for so oh, long. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, you know, oh, so mentally you ate a lot, but really you didn't. Um, and coffee suppresses your appetite. So That's that, right. yeah, yeah. So that that was his diet to get down to like a hundred and twenty some pounds for that uh, movie. And then, had, and then he had to put it back on again. Then he had to turn <laughs> around. Batman. Another Batman, and then he had a, and then he gained too much weight. They're like, um, this is awkward, but you got to lose thirty pounds, bro. You got too big. Uh, and then so he the had to lose some coffee. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. It's, it's 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 funny you should mention that, right? Because a lot of people, I wouldn't say a lot of people, but a couple of people back in Cardiff, they used to call me, um, Decky. Um, what's his, what was his name again? Um, it, it was, it, no, I was going to say Dickie Modasani, um, but it was Dickie Eklund, I think. Yes, yeah, Dickie Eklund, that's right, yeah. Yeah. But a couple of people, like they said, I remind them of them, because I, I used to, I used to box as well, and my oh, younger okay. brother, started, yeah, my younger brother started boxing, and I used to coach my younger brother. Like, yeah, people used to say, but I used to get offended. I used to be the cheeky bastards. I didn't like him. What are you on about? <laughs> hey, he fought Sugar Ray, man. <laughs> I never. <laughs> no, no, I know. I'm saying he fought. I fought, I fought my demons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So did he, though. Yeah, so badly. He. He's sober now, isn't he still? Yeah, yep. I looked him up recently because yeah, he's one of those people that, like, especially now that I'm doing the show, that I'm like, oh, I wonder if I can get him on. You know what I mean? That's like, good. I, I, I've I've definitely tried. I've emailed. That's for sure. I've sent an email. I've found an email address. Who knows if it's the right fucking one? You know. But I What's definitely that, try with a lot of people. You know. <laughs> like yeah, I'll see what happens. Maybe they'll answer. You know, I was talking to Daniel Baldwin for a little while, 
about doing it and because we have a mutual friend and but then all that shit with his brother happened and he stopped answering so he probably uh, he was probably worried that and i even told him in an email i'm like don't worry none of the questions have anything to do with your brother like yeah you know, yeah because he did a documentary um called uh something to pj um my promise to pj and i happen to be friends with you know this kid pj's sister and okay. pj is somebody he went to rehab with and passed away you know from a relapse and overdosed um so he he did a documentary you know his promise to pj and so but yeah i know you know pj through his sister that i went to aa with all the time when I was out in California a while ago. So it's just a small world. So I, he was answering me and then all that shit happened. And then he was <laughs> radio. Oh, silent. God. Oh, uh, bless you, man. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it happens, you know? Yeah. Well, mate, listen, man, you know, I, I do enjoy your platform and I, I listen to quite a lot of, um, about four or five of them. Cause I got you on Instagram. Uh, I was following that, um, that Scottish lady. No, no, is it Finley? Her name is. Uh, Amy, and she moved. She moved to Scotland. Yeah, the last yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Amy. So yeah. I, was, um, I followed her, and, and you know, and you know, link came up, and I clicked on it, and I clicked on another one, and I went on another one, and I thought this guy's good, man. I like this podcast. Yeah, I had um, I I met her through Mike. You probably seen Mike, you know, on her page. Uh, you know, inspired, inspired to inspire. To, yeah, inspired to inspire. He's in yeah. rehab. Um, he is in a, it's kind of a rehab. It's like a sober living kind of thing. It oh. looks like, it looks like a rehab because it's New York city, you know? Yeah. Okay. So everything looks like that. Um, the way New York city. He's doing good, he? Oh, he's doing awesome. Yeah. He was on my show uh, a couple of months back and oh, he's, com- he's coming on for a second appearance too, actually this I'm week. Nice. So yeah, he'll pop up soon again, but he always has a lot of good things to say. So him and I always have fun talking, um, but that's how I met her. And, and, you know, that's how the recovery community is cool online, man, because, like, you know, I just discovered this, like, online recovery community in the last, like, six, seven months, to be honest with you. Like, it wasn't until over the summer. Now, what do you you most, do you post about your recovery online, too? I've come off, I've come off, like, kind of, like, the the only social media I'm on now is... um, is uh, Instagram. I'm on TikTok because I just like TikTok because it's a laugh. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yes, yeah, so the main the main sites I really use is Instagram and and TikTok. Yeah, but yeah, I do I do post I post a lot because you know I'm a born again Christian as well, so you know I post a lot of faith stuff and. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, man, I do, and it's 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 actually quite good because you know, and I, I I've had a few people message me and. And you know, and I told them, you know, what, how I recover, well, how I'm recovering, and what they can do to get help and stuff like that. So it's just yeah. a positive vibe. It's, it's better than posting up ah, f this, f that, my life's rubbish, and you know. What I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and TikTok, I, I post there more than any of them too. There's a lot of promo vids on um on our TikTok page. Oh, is it? So, I can follow you. Uh, man. Oh yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff there because I, I, you know, I have fun with a lot of the promo vids. I'll, I'll take the videos and like, you know, it's hours of content, you know, in all these. So I'll go through and I, I'm going to go through and do like a supercut of Xanax, 
I need to go through and because I know which guests I've talked about Xanax. So I just got to go yeah. through and find each time we all say Xanax and just do a super cut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. I love that. And That's then we'll brilliant. have to end with all of us saying, but I don't remember anything because we all lost our yeah. memory for the Xanax. <laughs> so be like Xanax. Black Ops. Xanax. Xanax don't yeah. remember. <laughs> Yeah, there's been like 90 interviews and I think like 50 of them are like that. It would just, it would be so much time. I listened to a video on um, YouTube the other day, you know, I just finished Sons of Anarchy and they, they, they say Jesus Christ a hell of a lot. So they've done a video on YouTube and the whole of the three minutes of the YouTube was just everyone saying Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of those supercuts. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it's funny. Man. I feel I feel like Ron Perlman says it probably the most that when I think about it in my head, actually him and Gemma probably say it the most. Gemma, right? yeah. yeah, I can yeah, hear probably. Gemma saying it a lot in my head, like quickly because I I watch I've watched Sun so many times. Like I fucking yeah, I did. It. I- I've done it twice this year, man. And do, do you know what, man? It's, it's kind of mad because I, I, I was speaking to my friend the other day and I did a Bible study with him. And we spoke about there's, there's some sort of like message behind the Sons of Anarchy. Because at the end, when, when Jack's teller meets that homeless lady, uh-huh. there's like bread and wine. Do you see yeah. the bread and wine? I know what you're talking about. Um, so I know that it has to do with Hamlet. Um, and I know that Kurt Sutter was really specific about how he wrote everything. Um, Kurt Sutter is, you know, the creator, writer, and director of all the big episodes. He is also married um, in real life to Katie Seagal. Um, Yeah, yeah, and he also plays Otto. That's right, Um, yeah. He plays Otto in jail that doesn't, you know, fights his tongue off, which he did, so he... He did that he so because he hated writing lines for himself. Did you oh, know was that? It? Yeah, he hated writing lines for himself. So he bite his own tongue. He can't fucking talk. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so brilliant. Yeah, he's he's great. Um, he spent a lot of time with bikers when he was writing. Um, he's a Jersey boy like I am. He went to um, Rutgers up in North Jersey, and that's where he learned how to write and shit. Um, and he worked on other cop shows. What was he on? Um, the Shield, I think, back in the day. Oh, yeah. And then Sons of Anarchy is where he like really took off finally. Um, but yeah, I, obviously I, I've heard of the show. Uh, I kind of like it. Um, but yeah, it has. I know that has to resemble Hamlet. Um, it might have something to do because he was a religious dude, or he is a religious dude. Um, Kurt Sutter is, and I know if he's writing something, and it's in there, it's for a reason. So if yeah, you're seeing, if, you might see the bread and wine and I wouldn't, right? Because yeah. that's something that you're, it's going to catch your eye, not mine. But yeah. you know that if it's in there, he he did it for a reason. You know, it's not, yeah, it's not an accident. Because it's, it's at the end as well, where Jack's teller dies, isn't it? Um, when he goes into that, drives into that, into yeah. that big truck. And then yep. the blood, the blood spills down onto a bit of bread. See, I didn't even. I, I, it's been so long since I saw that ending, and it's fresh for you. But cause for me, I always, I always think whenever I go back to rewatch it now, because it's one of those shows that I've watched so many times before, that when I go back to rewatch it, I go back to like favorites, 
You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I watched, like, the finale to season three. Um, yeah, yeah, I know. It, yeah. It's a three with the bus and that in that under and that agent, that blonde, that agent that they get. And oh, yeah, that kills. You know talking about? Yeah. Opie kills, doesn't it? Yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it was three because that's and four. Yep, okay. I'm all caught up in my head again. All right, yeah. so now we're up on <laughs> Yeah, so Sons of Anarchy is a great fucking show, though. <laughs> you know. Awesome, brother. I, I get I get I get so caught up on TV shows and so like into like the writing of them and why they wrote that yeah. and where that came from the the Did one you ever watch the Mayans which one the Mayans? Mayans yeah yep I watched the first season yeah not because if, if you see if you see if you see at the beginning part as well where um, they got the crow mm-hmm. in the middle of the road and at the start of the show he runs over the crow. That's because they're taking over. Yeah, exactly. They're running. Yeah, yeah. Back, yeah. Because the crow is that. in the very beginning of the Suns, too. That's the right, crow, yeah. The crow comes down on the street, you know, before they come up to, you know what I mean? As he's pulling into that gas station, convenience store, you know, that's how the first one starts, as Jax is going into that's that right, convenience yeah. store. Yes. And then he hears the explosion far away, which is their safe house explosion. Safe house with all the guns and stuff. Yeah. So, man, I haven't watched that in so long. I got to fucking watch it again. It's so funny. I can still recall it. And I I watch that shit in addiction. It just goes to show you how many. (laughs) 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 I haven't even watched watched that show sober and I can still recall all that shit. (laughs) That's how much I watch it. Like, yeah. I I, I didn't have time to watch TV when I was under the influence. I was just like. Just too busy. I was erratic, man. I was like, I'd have, I'd have like half an ounce of cocaine, and I'd be panicking. Like that's not gonna last me. <laughs> See, yeah, when, so. when I did coke, I wanted to watch TV or movies where they did coke with me. Yes. I, would still, I, I would still do coke alone, um, but I would want to watch somebody else do coke alone too. You know, uh, what was that show that I watched? I watched a show. Um, that it takes place like in the seventies, and the guy um, works at like a vinyl. Oh, it's called Vinyl, and he works. And it was on HBO. And the guy works for like this record company, which is why it's called Vinyl. And the same guy that created Boardwalk Empire created this show, which just didn't take off, kind of thing. Um, but it was really good. But I just remember the guy was also a raging cokehead. So, and I did so much coke that week that I watched that show because I wanted to do all the blow with them. So, like, I would put it on and just binge watch a show and just do all this coke and then forget to watch it and have to watch it again. And <laughs> I must have watched the show like four times that week, just doing a bunch of blow. Like, oh my god, yeah, the fucking that, mess, that, dude. That's that's that well, madness. That's yes, that madness. it is. It is. I used to, I used to, I used to enjoy getting a load of coke and playing Call of Duty online. <laughs> so, but bruv honestly like, I, I, don't, I don't know why I did it because he used to sketch the shit out of me I used to be playing like, I'd be like properly wired up engaged then I'd get shot and then I'd shit myself I'd throw my control because that paranoia was just oh man it was like weird <laughs> yeah you're scaring the shit out of yourself but man that's oh, the bad stuff we do yeah I'm glad that you're doing it different now though and you definitely are because I can tell that you know Nine to nineteen, you know, that's a huge, you know, difference. Obviously, you were not being healthy before, so that just goes to show you how much of a program that you're working to, 
and how much you're dedicated to what you're doing, man. Like, I, I, I got it, bro, you know, because, you know, I've, I've got another relapse in me, but I haven't got another recovery, bro. Like, yeah. And I, I really haven't, man. It's, and, you know, it's, it, it, the last 12 months, man, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to sit here and say it's all been beautiful and pink and fluffy. I mean, it's been hard, man. You know, 25 years. It's not supposed years, to be. Nah, yeah, it's man. not supposed to be all pink and fluffy, though, dude. Nah, exactly. It's like, you know, I, sp- I spoke to somebody about week and it made me laugh, man. Like, like you hear about these guys who are like, yeah, man, sobriety is brilliant, man. The 12 steps are brilliant. You know, I've got my kids back in my life. I'm back. My wife has got me back in the house. And next week I'm collecting my 30-day chip. <laughs> I'm just like, bro, I'm collecting my one-year chip and I can just barely speak to my baby mother. <laughs> Well, yeah, so it is, it is, man, but it's, I'm, I'm, I'm just blessed with God this, you know, it's, it's funny, isn't it, you know, you've got like two alcoholics who's dead in the ground, buried six feet under from 1935, like saving millions of people around the world. Yep. It's mind-blowing. Still, still man, still using still. the words. Yeah. Yep, it, it's awesome. It's a great thing to see, too, like, especially, you know, Whenever, whenever somebody when newcomer walks in when they're carrying a book, and you're like, "Oh, okay, they get it," you know what I mean? That happened the other day for me, where a guy, a new guy, was showing up, and he was like, "Hey, I just got back from being away for 30 days, and I had a sponsor there, and he told me to get one here, and this is where we're at." And he had a book in his hand. I'm like, "All right, you're ready to go. Let's do it. Let's like, do it." I mean, that's you know. Do you know what? It's funny, right? Because you know when that people talk about spiritual experiences and spiritual awakenings and stuff, I I get I get like a spiritual feeling, like seeing a newcomer with a big book and seeing a newcomer's eyes lit and seeing them put their hands up for the first time to share back and and yeah. it's just bro that that to me man I, I love that that's that's amazing because it is you know you know for what it is daunting like coming into a place of like wow this shit is real. Yep. Yeah, I see it all the time when I do the show mostly now. Because now I live in the middle of nowhere, man. I don't my meetings are few and far between for people that show up. Now the the fun part for me in recovery is talking to somebody that has never told their story before and I know going in they've never told their story and I'm giving them an opportunity to, to like really dive in and start fresh from the beginning you know, and tell it, and, you know, I can see therapeutically, I can watch them open up as we're talking and get more comfortable. Like, some have even said, like, oh, my God, I think I blacked out at one point, like, and I just like, <laughs> word vomit it, you know, like, and because they, they end up getting comfortable and they're like, okay, now I can, here it is, and I'm going to share it. You know, for me, that's what I like to see because I know how hard it is, but I know how therapeutic it is too Absolutely, to just, bro, to just yeah. say this is who I am or where I've been and what I've been through and put it out there because for years people talk about us. You know, when we're in addiction, like you said, you were dicky, man. People talk about us and they don't know shit. They just assume yeah. what they think and then they just say whatever they want. You know, and since we're the drug addict, they get they get that power. We don't have that power of no, no, you, you don't fuck you. You're a drug addict. You know, we don't have that power, man. And That's we get that, that we get we get that power back. But really, it's we get confidence back and we take ownership of our story and we tell our story and we say, no, that's who I was. But it made me who I am. And I'm that kind absolutely. of, you know, don't doing that kind of thing. Getting that kind of confidence is a huge thing in, in anyone's recovery. So, like, 
whether 10 people watches one person or a thousand people watch this episode or listen to it, you know, it's the matter. It's the point that you get something out of it. Absolutely. And, yeah. and I get something out of it too, because I got to facilitate that. Yeah, I absolutely. That. I get to do that. So for me, it keeps it sober. And I, well, I heard you say that on, um, on the Abby's podcast, I think, yeah, I think it was Abby's, but you mentioned that no one turned up to the meeting. And then you had that podcast with Abby, and you and you said that this is my meeting right now. It's gonna take two of us to have a meeting. Yeah. And I was I was I was watching. I thought, yeah, go on, bro. Yeah. <laughs> most most people most people they go to a meeting, no one turns up. They'd be like, oh, what the hell, what the hell. Yeah. I mean, they won't think about falling another alcoholic or anything. No, yeah, that and that happened. It's snowing here, man. It's you know, it's snowing where I live, and and so no one was here today. So I'll, I'll do this one, and then you know that guy Mike actually from Inspire to Inspire. Oh, he, yeah. just, he just texted me, and then we're going to be doing one together in about five hours. So we're going to be hopping on and do. So that'll be my nighttime meeting. This is like my morning meeting, and for me, that's 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 my you know that's how I stay sober. It's it's and I get I'm, something I'm, out of it. Yeah, bro, I'm, I'm a massive believer of it as well. You know, one alcoholic to another alcoholic making. You know, like I, I say this all the time, bro. And you know, you know what we're like, man. We're like egotistic maniacs, aren't we? Like, like, can, can you imagine, like, in the meeting that I go to now, bro? Like, it's it's only about ten people every week, which is nice. Like I said, you know, if you put these ten people in a company to try and run a business, it would ne- it would fail. It would it would fall. Like within a week, you've got like yeah. ten egotistic people trying to run a business. It's gonna collapse. Yeah, I mean, but look at te- both of us. Both of us as alcoholics and addicts, we were both were on a fucking stage. You were a DJ and I was a comedian. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Yeah. Talk about e- talk about egos, man. Talk about <laughs> talk about having egos. We're the ones that are like, no, listen to us. I'm going to tell you what you're listening to, either jokes <laughs> or your fucking music. You know what I mean? Like either way, you're like, listen to us. So yeah, I I get it. I get the ego thing, bro. I really do. Like I, I watch back my episodes. I say to my wife, like I fucking talk too much. Like she's like, no, you're supposed to talk. You have to talk too. I'm like, oh, I don't know. And she's like, no, it's Shit's fine. She's like, now I get in my head. In, in addiction, I never got in my head. And but now it's like, oh, am I do- talking too much? And she's like, no, shut the yeah. fuck up. Like, <laughs> no, but I think it's I think it's brilliant, man. I love it. But I was, I was saying, man, but it was like with the 10 people trying to run a business, it collapse. But then you've got like 10 people running a meeting and it's running successfully. And, you know, it was run on Tradition 7. And, you know, that's 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 so powerful, mate. Like, it's it's it's, yeah. it's, it's unbelievably good. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's so, like, comforting. And... It's funny because that's been the tough part for me with getting my group going, you know, because, like, I'll openly say, like, my, we have a new AA group here, right? And the hardest part of getting it going for me for a 9 a.m. daily meeting is I don't want to have the final say in all the formats. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be the one that's like, no, we're doing, you know, 12 and 12 Tuesdays, and we're doing Big Book Wednesdays, and we're doing yeah. Thursdays. I don't want to have to be the one that's saying that shit. I'd rather pick a day and be like, hey, I want to do 12 and 12 this day and I'll, I'll, I'll be head of that meeting or I'll be head of a speaker meeting. I'll, I'll do I'll be a secretary. I'll find the speakers there each week. I'll do. I'd rather do one meeting. I don't want to be in charge, 
I'd rather yeah, yeah. I'd rather leave it open and be like, hey, you, you, you have this meeting. What do you want out of this meeting? Okay, we're gonna do it back to basics. Okay, you're in charge. You're the secretary of this one. You know, I I want to have a group conscience. I don't want to yeah. be the main director and the. I don't, that's, yeah. not, that's not who I am anymore. And I don't. <laughs> I especially don't want to fucking do it in a meeting. You know, yeah. what I mean? of all places to do it in your in your daily life to do it in a meeting. I don't want to be that guy. So that's it's, it's, it's like been the hardest the actor. Yeah. So I, I put in very general meetings in the meeting list just to get people into the building so that they're like, all right, what's the format? I'm like, all right, let's figure it out. You know, let's, let's, yeah, let's, yeah, let's hash it out. Yeah, because yeah. it's been a lot of open forum lately, getting to know each other. You know, all of a sudden one person will show up and we'll just talk to each other. That's it, but yeah. Have a conversation, well you know, and that's our meeting. So I'm like, oh yeah, let's pray in shit. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. We'll get, no, we'll get talking. Yeah. That's brilliant, man. That's 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 what they're there for, isn't it? As long as there's a meeting there for the doors to be open, and you never know who might walk through that door, bro. I had somebody that was 49 years old that never been to a meeting ever in her life, and yeah. came here, you know, and she was the only one here. Haven't seen her since. I'll be honest with you, because she you knows know, who you are. But yeah, you know how that you know how that goes. I haven't seen her since. Maybe she found another meeting. I hope because I told her to. I said, you're not going to find a woman sponsor here yet, to be honest with you. You know, I haven't seen any women coming through here yet. And I want to make sure you get a sponsor right away. Go to the nooner at the church and you'll find a woman sponsor there for like 20 years. There's a few of them. They'll be great for yeah. you. You know, I'm not that person. So like, oh, I'll sponsor you. Yeah. What yeah, the fuck yeah, am yeah. I going to tell a 49 year woman about this? Being yeah. Fuck out of here. <laughs> you know, so, you know, I hope. That that's what happened with her, that that's where she is, and that's why I haven't seen her. But still, it was very nice that the first time she ever came to a meeting, it wasn't, she didn't feel overwhelmed with, you know how people can feel with their first time walking in, like, no, oh, they're all chanting together, and, and they're praying together, and they're doing this, yeah. and they get spooked. Instead, it was just her and I sitting down and being like, oh, so, you know, how long have you been drinking? Oh, you know what I mean? When do you drink? Oh, in the mornings? When do you drink in the morning? Oh, in, out, when you get out of bed? Oh, what is it? Beer, vodka? You know, and just having a conversation, just 12-stepping her, basically, right? Yeah, and probably she's getting something from that. Yeah. Because you knew, well, that's the thing is, you should, you and you know, what I mean, you should, you should have saw her face. You know the face. You've talked to yeah. people with less time than you, where you can, yeah. you can tell them all about themselves because you've been there. You're like, let me, get, let me guess this and that and this. And they're like, how do you know all that? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> like, you, man. I was you. <laughs> I learned yeah. that two weeks in the rehab. I'm like, oh, that was me two weeks ago. Yeah, man. That's, that's, yeah. It's just seeing that. They're coming all tense and, like, you know, up. And when they talk yeah. about what like, you just said, Dan, it's just like, uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah, bless man. It's, it's brilliant. You know, I, I, I love it. I love speaking to, you know, I do a lot. I do a lot of voluntary work now, and uh, you know, I'm not kind of like saying this to blow smoke up my own ass or whatever. But you know, I, I volunteer with the homeless shelter. I um, it's Christian based run. I do it for, we do it for the church and we feed the homeless every Tuesday, and um, and I speak and I engage with the homeless. And because this has been, it's been my, my, a real good friend of mine, he's like my mentor in my Christian faith, he's been running this organisation for like 19 years and he's never had an alcoholic drug addict 
volunteering with him. So he's never had that, you know, addict to, uh, yeah. to engage with the, the homeless, you know what I mean? And, and admit, I speak to him all the time and it's, it's quite nice, you know, I'm, I'm like Moses of the recovery world. We feed him up and, and I go to a meeting straight after. I'm like, come on, come with me, man. I'll take you to a meeting. And I'll take, awesome. I'll take a couple of over to a meeting, man. And, and, it's, and it's actually nice because they're there and, and it, it breaks my heart, bro, because like some of these, I put a lot of people like, these homeless, ah, they're just drug addicts. They're just begging for money for this and that. But some of these homeless people, mate, a lot of these homeless people, they are genuinely in a bad, bad place and they can't get out of it because they yep. just can't get the help. And I, I can oh, see yeah. their faces, man. Like, they're like, I, I want to get sober. I want to get sober, but I just need to drink to survive. And, and and it's the truth of it. Yep, I've it's seen just, it. You know, I've seen it over here. You know, we're not... We're not short on homeless people in America, as you probably know. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's, you know, it's just even in the mountains. You know, I live in the fucking mountains, man, in the middle of nowhere. And we do mental health meetings. There's people that come into meetings oh, that, are, that are that are homeless. That, and they're in their 20s, what? and they're, they're not even drug addicts, man. You know, it's got mental health problems. Just mental health problems. And they can't sit still, you know? And they literally, they can't sit still. And so they just walk around all day and all night. They can't sit and just, you know, and it's rough, man. But, you know, I, I all I can do is just talk to them, you know, give them a cigarette, have, you know, have a conversation, you know, and that's, you know, give them a wave. You know, yeah, but, that's it. You know, it's about, I wish they liked that. You know, I, I've, I've directed them on where to go and resources and, you know, how to get medicine and, you know, it's you do what you can you know because there's only so so much you can do for people and you can't you know i find it important and you're going to see too the more time you get um and the more people that you know you start helping in the program is you might need to go to al-anon soon you know yeah and it's an important thing to do that the more you help other people in recovery we need al-anon because we're hurt by addicts all the time you know, the more time yeah. we have and the more time we start helping these newcomers, the statistics isn't saying that, you know, our ego is, you know, we're 100% of the time going to keep everybody sober. And then all of a sudden you get 10 sponsees and then seven of them relapse and you're like, what God, the yeah. fuck? Do you know, know what? I, I, I experienced that recently, you know, because I started sponsoring a lot of people and, and my because I'm... I'm I'm not working at the moment. I'm, 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 because I'm still, in, I'm still in a dry house. I got like another month left, um, and I'm on a sick man because I got like rheumatoid arthritis and stuff. And mm. but my sponsor said, you know, just, just sponsor, sponsor, sponsor. And I'm like, yeah, I'll sponsor loads. And I had this one kid, man, and and then he just texted me out of the blue saying he's found another sponsor, and then I found, found out it relapsed. And bro, I was, I was like, no, I was, I'd, 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 I had to breathe over there, you know what I mean? I was, I thought my sponsor up, and I was just, it proper hit me. And so, That's, what you're yeah, saying there, this, yeah. it's true, man. Yeah, the Alanon or Naranon or whatever on, you know, it's it's important to have. Um, and I and I didn't even realize that until recently, you know. So, and I just learned that. So now I say it all the time to make sure that people hear that to know that because it could save our lives because this is a selfish yeah. thing. We have to think of ourselves too. We have to also put our sobriety all the way up here, you know. Yeah, has, yeah, yeah. You know, so, um, but it, you know, it is a very helpful thing to be able to do that and work on yourself still, anyway. So, 
Either way, I know, man. I know someone from my church who does Alamon. Yeah. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. It's it's a really good. You know what? You know how it is. I think most fellowships. You know how it goes. It's it's about the support group. It's about talking to other people that you can relate to. It's, yeah, it's man. you know it's it's you know it's about that support. So, um, but I appreciate you coming on, man, and taking the time and yeah. talking about your story and what you do, man. That's fucking awesome. I'll put your link in the description for anyone following if they want to check you out and see what you're doing. Yeah. The link to your Instagram will be right in the description, whether you're watching or listening. So thank you so much, dude. I appreciate it. No worries, my man. It's been brilliant. All right. Have a great day, dude. God bless you, bro. Take care, man. All right. Bye-bye.